Okay, hello everybody. So episode two of series two. Um, you know, I got my numbers the wrong way around there, and then I realised they were both two. Um, and all of this is aimed really, I say, at by visibility week, by visibility day. We get a week, we get a day, we get a month apparently um, to talk about ourselves. So uh, my guest this time is Doctor Sam Rowe. Um, nearly didn't say Doctor there. Um, who's public engagement officer for the Earlham Institute? I'm sure he'll tell us all about. Um, so yeah, wouldn't you give us a quick introduction to yourself, Sam? Yeah, sure. Well, hi everyone, and obviously thanks Dave for having me on. Um, as you just said, I'm a public engagement officer at the Earlham Institute in Norwich on the Norwich Research Park. So my work is really all about science education and engagement. So telling everyone about all the wonderful science that's going on in Norwich and at the Earlham Institute, and particularly focusing this time for this job on DNA. So what we can learn about different living things by analysing their DNA. So trying to work with local schools and nature groups to just spread the science love and get as many people as involved in, in different yeah. science activities as possible. Um, yeah, really fun job. Been in it six months now. Um, previously did a PhD in chemistry, so more on the, the research and chemistry side, but loving the kind of science communication and engagement now. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I mean, speaking as someone who works for a STEM recruitment company, this is the kind of thing we need to see more of to get people interested in the, the industry and, you know, well, make our job easier, I suppose, by having more people to choose from. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've, we've got a lot to talk about, I think, today. Um, you know, we've chatted previously about some of the things we might, you know, focus our time on. Um, and one of the really interesting things that comes up when I speak to other kind of bi people, pan people, is research that's been done over the years which always seems to highlight the fact that we come out later um you know whether we come to the realization later or not i think is up for debate but we we kind of make it public um anything from two to five years later um than our gay and lesbian you know counterparts um and actually on average it typically is into the early mid-20s um from a lot of the research i've been reading about so um as it's something we've spoken about before, Sam, I thought it's an interesting place to start, particularly in the workplace where you might be several years into your career before, you know, that happens. And actually, speaking of research, less bi people are out at work than other members of the LGBTQ plus community are, are as well. So, yeah, why do you think that might be? A huge question to start with, but uh, let's go with it. <laughs> yeah, really huge question. Actually, it's been really interesting kind of thinking about this, reading different things, talking to different people kind of in preparation for this kind of discussion. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are so many different reasons. Um, and a big point to say is that I don't really know. Um, from my personal experiences, I came to realization of being bisexual, perhaps when I was kind of 25, 26, which kind of fits with what you're saying with some of the stats, perhaps from um, wider surveys, wider population. Um, and for me, it was a very long process of of coming out and telling people. So first I started telling close friends age 25 onwards, but it wasn't until I was then 29, so about four years later, four years of just telling people, sharing it in closer circles when I then told my parents and actually announced it on, on Twitter. So it's been about a year since then now, feeling a lot more comfortable, which is nice. But yeah, I guess compared to lots of people, particularly some of the gay friends that I've spoken to who were out or came out, perhaps at school age or early university to their families. Um, and I guess I've had then much longer kind of being out now that they're, you know, at the same age that I am. Um, in general, I said, really massive question, but the thing I always come back to and which we've spoken about before is that kind of growing up talking about LGBTQ plus experience, it was very much you're gay or you're straight. 
and I've never really felt completely aligned with either of those being bisexual so it felt very much it was a hard thing to come to terms with this whole idea of you know it's harder to know about it's harder to be what you can't see and what you what you don't hear about and what isn't discussed so mm-hmm. it sounds strange perhaps but growing up it was almost felt like being bisexual can never sort of be an option or it's never something that's kind of openly discussed it's like well no if you're not straight then you're gay and because I was yep. neither it perhaps felt a harder thing just to to be able to say it and then to, to come to terms with so I think that's what took quite a long time um lots of little steps to kind of just being more open to talking about being bisexual and also accessing resources seems a bit harder particularly to do with bisexual men um, and also then within the community as well a lot more geared towards gay and lesbian people mm-hmm. rather than bisexual people yeah i have to agree i think it's we, we deal so much in binaries don't we you know whether when we're growing up or just generally in society whether that is in terms of sexuality or gender which is a whole other subject that um you know i've spoken about in previous episodes um, and I kind of agree, you know, I was, I think I was maybe a little bit longer, younger than yourself, Sam, but I was kind of 22, 23 before I, I put the label to it, you know, myself as well. Um, and it's exactly as you say, we, we see one or the other. And I think, you know, visibility is so important. And I'm not, we would never say that, you know, the things you see in the media, for example, have that huge an influence on people. But at the same time, visibility, representation, really important. And I think it's only in recent years we've started to see you know, any amount of bisexual representation that isn't stereotypical, for want of a less um, negative yeah, phrase. Really, it's turned into a bit of a fetish almost, as if it's just some exactly. fancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing, um, so uh, Amanda, who uh, was, was in the first episode of, of this season, um, one thing we spoke about was the idea that bisexual women are kind of fetishized and overly sexualized and bisexual men are just gay yeah these are the tropes that we have to deal with um you know within the community um neither of which are true um you know but i think those are the assumptions people make and i think when you when you come out as gay when you come out as a lesbian when you know there's less questions asked of you i think perhaps because people understand what that means and maybe because everyone's experience of bisexuality is different people don't have a single definition and, and that confuses them perhaps yeah definitely felt that as well almost as if coming out as bisexual telling people you're bisexual is just a stepping stone to being gay that it's yeah. just a transition period that it's not kind of a final a final destination as such that is that i'm still confused you know sort of lost track of number of times that that's kind of been said it's like oh no you're obviously just gay you're just yeah kidding yourself and i think also one of the hardest things i guess is that those kind of comments have also been from within the LGBTQ plus community. Um, it's certainly not unique just for bisexual men. I think there's a lot that the LGBTQ plus community needs to work on, perhaps in terms of acceptance of the entire community, you know, as welcoming and as amazing as, you know, yeah. the community has been, as I've been coming out and talking about these things, particularly on social media. Um, I think there is a long way to go, because actually, yeah, most of the comments that I've had about saying, oh, I'm not bisexual or um, I'm just still being myself have come from typically older gay white men in the community essentially um, as well as others on social media so I think as I said there's a bit of way for the go to go for the community to be fully accepting of all different identities as well and that 
as well as, as you said, the representation in the wider community, whether it's through media, through education in school, I think all of that will help to stop these kind of tropes yeah. coming through for bisexual people. Yeah, that's it, because they exist, as you've said, within and, and you know, without the community as well, which is it's one of the really difficult things, I think, to deal with is, is trying to, I suppose, be part of a wider community that might actually be as biphobic in, in places and, you know, where bi-erasure is as big a problem as it is outside of the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community. So, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one. I suppose it also starts, you know, is on the topic of, you know, that support network that you've been able to find. Because like you say, you, you came up publicly about a year ago, um, you know, Twitter seems to be, you know, your your main point of Social media contact, of choice, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm clearly too old-fashioned getting all over LinkedIn, but um, I'm trying on Twitter. I just don't, I, I don't have enough to say. It takes like, a while, just, doesn't it, to build up? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like a bit of a, um, a, a sort of strange bystander looking at it all and not actually uh, taking part in the, the discussion, because that's where I've found most of the people that have been guests. But uh, <laughs> I've just been this kind of bystander that then jumps in and goes, come talk to me. Oh, that's good um, as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, you've talked a lot about how important that's been over the last year and how albeit there is problems within the community in terms of bioerasure and biophobia it's actually been really helpful to you know feel like you've been part of something do you think there is a bit of a generational divide there you mentioned it's, it's mostly been kind of older gay white men who've you know perhaps been a little bit more um discouraging let's say um whereas we do see younger generations in particular you know a higher proportion identifying as not straight which is you know not to say gay but probably somewhere on the bi-plus spectrum yeah absolutely and um i guess the main thing to point out as you sort of alluded to is that on the whole the community has been amazing both in person and and online um but definitely have been particular comments also from within the community which i didn't expect mm -hmm. coming into it and as we're starting to do more kind of in-person meetings and activities again as well um yeah the generational thing could be a part of it as well um particularly with social media, where the people I interact with in science and science communication within the LGBTQ plus community are definitely around my age, if, if not younger. Um, and I've definitely found that really useful just for exposure to different people, different experiences, and also beyond kind of being in Norwich and Norfolk as well, where um, the community feels like a lot tighter, a lot smaller, but definitely not, say, as yeah. big as in big cities um yeah in terms of just activities or venues or anything like that so it could also be that and i've definitely learned so much about the community and really trying to like question my own sort of assumptions and things um that perhaps i've just picked up growing up and it's been lovely yeah. especially during lockdowns and kind of being on the fringe of the community when i perhaps knew i was bisexual but sort of not out and wanting to interact. I found social media was just a nice way to meet people, ask questions. People do amazing threads and blog posts and, and podcasts and YouTube series all about this. So I've definitely learned a lot and found that really, really useful and just have been amazed by how much information, how much of themselves that people put out there. And that's kind of what I try to emulate now is just being my full authentic self. So talking about my identity, sexuality, work, science, kind of everything and not being afraid of hiding being mm -hmm. bisexual particularly in a kind of science or science communication job and definitely learn a lot from all the amazing people 
on Twitter, which is the main thing that yeah. I use, who who do that every day and just speak so openly. I found that so inspiring, so useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's incredible to watch, I think, because, you know, if I go back to, you know, I'm only a few years older than you, Sam, but if I go back to, you know, being kind of a teenager, social media wasn't quite a thing yet. It was kind of the the MySpace Bebo days. Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> more about what music video you had on your profile than anything else and fighting over who was in whose top 10 or top 12 or whatever it was. It was all very fickle. Um, but let's face it, Twitter still is. But <laughs> but it's, yeah, and it, I mean, doing this this project, you know, I've, I've learned huge, huge amounts because, frankly, I've never been hugely part of the, the community. You know, I grew up similar to yourself in a, a small place in Devon, you know, Devon and Norfolk, not too different, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, you, you move to a bigger city, you meet lots of different people. And yeah, I think the the education that that can give is huge. And I think for you to then take that openness to your job as well um, is huge because people need to be able to see themselves somewhere yeah. in order to almost picture that as a an opportunity for them. You know, it's not to say people would never discover STEM as a as a career without that. But at the same time, it really, really helps if you can see yourself you know, in somebody else that you can, you know, look up to and learn from. Um, I mean, you've mentioned previously as well, kind of, you've had criticism for perhaps forefronting some of those personal elements of, of your life whilst also talking about science and science communications and education and kind of people criticizing maybe the two don't go together, um, which I would 100% disagree with. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all about, as you've said, being your authentic self and that's that's what people latch onto that's what mm. resonates with people and, and you know that's why you know people get the attention they do i suppose so how's that been you know particularly over the last year as you know you've both come out publicly you've started a new job you know are you seeing that getting better or you know what's that been like yeah it's been really interesting kind of starting this new job six months ago but being in a position where essentially i've tweeted about being bi I've told my parents I've essentially told everyone what I can think of um it has been interesting starting off a job almost from that standpoint so things like I'm really comfortable joining the LGBTQ plus working group on the Norwich Research Park which was just something I never could have imagined doing being open enough to just talk about myself and be part of that and help plan kind of events and resources activities kind of across the Norwich Research Park so I've definitely found it really useful being more open in terms of just feeling comfortable getting involved in those other opportunities that I never thought I would have been able to. And it's exactly what you said. It's about by me being open and in those kind of positions, not that I'm particularly senior within the organisation, but just knowing that there are other people out there who are happy to talk about that. And I'm always there, you know, if there were other people, whether it's through Twitter or through the organisation, to then be able to almost like pay that forward because there have been sort of great, support networks that have done that for me who have been there to kind of listen and um help me out along the way um in general i've been really lucky in that i've never really faced sort of any really harsh discrimination sort of throughout my undergraduate degree phd or even now working in science communication but as you mentioned there has always been a bit of a sense of that and again luckily nothing too directed to me but a sense that your identity, sexuality is just something that can never ever be spoken about. That in a PhD in science communication, it should be all about your results, what you're producing, your data, you know. Um, and I think, kind of like you, I really push back against that now. You know, being bisexual is me, it is a part of me, it's another sort of facet of, 
of what I am and it completely you know in, influences sort of is a part of who I am what I do how I work and what I'm interested in I don't I felt yeah. a bit of a sense that it's something that yeah should just be hidden away packed away as if <clears throat> it's not there and I think this is where then lots of the kind of more subtle kind of comments and discrimination come from because the quieter you are about it it goes back to the education side yeah if we're not talking about it if people aren't open about it these kind of things aren't going to be corrected if uh -huh. people are saying actually quite discriminatory things even if they don't mean it or don't understand it yeah and that's it i mean a lot of the things we hear aren't necessarily deliberately malicious mm. but you know they're, they're said with perhaps an element of ignorance but that doesn't make them any less damaging yeah, exactly that. It's, I think the big difference is when people accept that perhaps what they've been saying is a little ignorant and can learn from it rather than becoming defensive. You know, that's that's been a common theme of these conversations is learn from things you've said or if someone sell, tells you, yeah, I'm not, not so happy about that, use it as an opportunity to, you know, understand more rather than, you know, yeah. become defensive. But I think you're right. I think what's you know, really been really interesting to me, I think, over the years and, and through these conversations is if I think back to, you know, previous roles I've had where I've not been, you know, fully comfortable being fully out to colleagues and things. And I suppose in, in your world as well, Sam, no one would bat an eyelid if you suddenly were talking about, you know, if you raised an analogy or something, for example, in one of your, you know, projects that was about a heterosexual relationship. No one would bat an eyelid. That would just be a normal, you know, that's an analogy to describe, you know, X story. Suddenly, if that becomes anything sort of other, it's then in some ways a political statement of some sort, which it shouldn't be. And that's why things like this and, and you know, what you're doing is so important because it's about normalizing. Um, and until we get to that point where it doesn't matter, then it really, really does matter. Um, yeah. You know, that's, I think, why it's so crucial to to do what you're doing and normalize it just you know it's it's just who you who you are i suppose you know? yeah it's exactly that and it's even just you know silly things about talking about going on a date with a guy or something like yeah. that it just suddenly seems to be like you can see people's faces when that's mentioned sometimes it's just oh didn't understand it and then of course the assumption is then that i'm gay and there's, there's a bit of an explanation around it which as i said most of the time i've been very very lucky in that that's people have been really receptive to that and understanding but it can be exhausting when perhaps you're the only kind of person feels like you're the only yeah. person talking about those kind of things if you're the only openly lgbtq plus person um within an organization within a group it can be a little bit exhausting kind of pushing back on that but as i said in general I feel very very lucky um that i haven't faced as much discrimination as certain people have <clears throat> within the community and also within within the workplace i think a lot of that is the privilege that i have being cisgendered white guy, yeah. you know, there's a yeah. lot that I don't face, but it's, as we've heard before, it's not to say that it isn't there, it's just been a lot more subtle, and luckily so far, the kind of discussions around that, people have been quite quite receptive to, which is all. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with you on that front. I think we, we, I suppose, are both in an interesting position of being able to use that privilege, um, you know, because, you know, speaking personally, for the most part, I'm read as an average straight white guy, <laughs> which may not be true, but that's how I'm read very often. So I'm, you, know, you, you get a sort of inner circle, let's say, type view of the conversations that might go on where we're not present. Yeah. Um, and it's, but like you say, it's, it's an opportunity to then go, well, 
how much emotional labor am I willing to do right now to to try and break those barriers or correct those mistakes or you know and that's what people outside of the whole lgbtq plus community don't have to deal with every day but yeah. that we do and particularly i think being in the kind of bi plus spectrum is if you mention you know going on a date or if you mention a partner there's an assumption then like we said earlier of oh you're part of that binary based on the gender of the person you happen to mention yeah. um so which you then have to backtrack and the amount of times I have not corrected someone who's then gone off assuming I'm something I'm not is something actually that occasionally creeps into my mind and goes, why, why that's, you know, but you know, it's, it's a lot to correct consistently. Yeah. And then, you know, it's going to be followed up by questions as well. Yeah. As you said, it's that emotional <laughs> labor and it's always a balance. So there's, there's been so many times where I've just had to leave things and leave comments, but I really like to point about, you know, it's us in the position that we are kind of using the privilege that we do have in yeah. kind of other aspects make sure that all of the communities included um mm -hmm. that we're not taking up too much space but that we are raising these issues because we're in a, a a safer position to do so yeah yeah because as much as it shouldn't be this way we are more likely to get the audience to get listened to yeah. to you know which shouldn't be the case but whilst it is i think it's kind of it's almost on us to to correct that in many ways yeah, exactly. I feel like I've got such a long way to go, lots to learn kind of about the community, but um, yeah. little steps, doing bits when I can. And that's the <laughs> nicest thing about um, being in a position to be able to talk about these things. You know, like being on something like this was just something I never thought I'd be able to do and be able to talk so openly with you yeah. about these kind of things. But it's just, it, it all helps and it all helps kind of thinking more about the community and the ways in which you can mm -hmm. support it. Yeah, I know completely. And I was the same, you know, six months, a year ago before I started this, there's no way I would have, you know, thought about it because it's, it's quite daunting being, yeah. being this visible, um, you know, and it's, but it's, you know, it's as much for us to, to learn from as it is yeah. for other people to, to yeah, it's all to worth well. it. Absolutely. So a couple of questions I've, I've kind of been asking everybody I'm talking to in the, the kind of the second, I keep calling it season that suggests there's <laughs> going to be about 20 episodes. Yeah. We'll, we'll see if that happens. Um, and these are, questions I think everyone has a personal answer to and some of them are not controversial that's the wrong word but questions I think we maybe don't ask ourselves enough within the community um, one of them is very generational um, and I spoke to Amanda about this in the, the first episode and that's about the usage of, of the word queer it's something that I think the generation kind of behind me and then younger is really starting to take hold of you know rebrand and kind of claim again for the community I feel like I'm in this weird middle ground where I get it but I'm still a little bit comfortable uncomfortable using a term that was shouted at me on the streets <laughs> um, and then there's obviously an even older generation than that who you know I can understand the, the kind of fight back sometimes yeah. you see people not being comfortable with the term um, you know reclaiming things is great well, I mean is have you thought about yourself you know I, do, I mean, is it a term you use? Where do you kind of sit on that that whole debate? Yeah, very similar to you, actually. Kind of this almost in-between state. Um, I have started using it more and more. I do like, I like it as a word that can encompass the entire community. Yeah. Um, it's easier to say than LGBTQ+. Yes, um, which I have sort of made several errors saying throughout even just this episode, never mind the past ones. It's a mouthful. Yeah, and also the plus means lots of other things and it's like well actually that's perhaps still not inclusive of the entire community um yeah I am starting to use queer a little bit more um but I do have the same kind of thoughts as you it's always been a slur mm -hmm. um growing up um or even 
perhaps not slur, but just like weird. Is it not even that it's yeah a I mean, horrible name, but just where it comes from, isn't it? You know, strange, it means, yeah. It's strange it means a little bit odd. I think that otherness that it creates is yeah. It's still yeah triggers. I think is is the word I'd use. Um, I think so, and it's always something now that I check when I'm referring to the community, talking to people. It's been really interesting discussions, kind of like it is now, of. Some people just never ever considering it, never ever wanting to say it or use it. But some people, and I'm, I am slowly building towards that, just yeah. really liking it and thinking actually it's just a really nice umbrella term. Um, yes. So even though it's not perhaps an identity that I personally associate with, so I don't think I'd ever describe myself as queer, I'd always say I'm bisexual. But I, I feel like I can now say, you know, I'm part of the queer community, the LGBTQ plus community. I, I am starting yeah. to use those words a bit more interchangeably. Yeah, I, I'm I'm similar. It's just, I'm maybe a little bit behind um, on that, but I I, I I agree as as an umbrella term. You know, particularly, you know, there are you know so many people who identify with more than one letter in the in the acronym, and if we've got one really simple five letter word that covers that, I think that's brilliant, and it it creates a bit more kind of solidarity, I suppose, doesn't it, amongst amongst everybody. Um, yeah. Those kind of the intersectionalities within the community, I think it's maybe a little bit more inclusive. You know. Yeah, exactly. And I think also just um, leading back to sort of the fluidity of some of the terms in that, you know, as you said, people have different identities, those identities can change. And that actually, yeah, if there is a, a nice, simple word that once people feel like they've reclaimed that or have just spoken about it more openly a bit more, I think that can be a nice way to kind of describe the community. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing um, which came up when I spoke to uh, Clara Barker in the first season is the difference between bisexual, pansexual, why we use two different terms. There's a whole history to their definitions, which I won't begin to try to explain because I don't really understand it myself. But um, personally, I'm leaning more towards, you know, a kind of, I, I will use either, whichever seems to fit in the, the right scenario. Um, very often I'll say bi purely because I know people will probably understand what I mean. Um, but to go back to the, the binary that we were talking about, I think it does suggest a binary. I, bisexual traditionally means an attraction to male and female. It can be seen as a little bit trans or non-binary exclusionary, which in my head it isn't. You know, yeah, I see it as kind of my own gender and others. That's the best description I've I've heard. I mean, do you have you used the word pan to describe yourself or is that kind of where you see the definition differing or what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation as well, and lots, um, lots of this comes up on social media too. I'm the same yeah. as you, so I, I will always use bisexual. I think, and I use that same definition of the bi being my own gender and other genders. Mm -hmm. I've heard a bit of a distinction around pansexual just being all genders, so yeah. sort of one term rather than the sort of the bi, the binary. And I know it's in a way it's nice to get away from that binary in a way because people's mm -hmm. minds immediately go to oh men and women and I've yep. spoken about this a few times with a lot of people on social media that actually it's you know my bisexuality isn't exclusive mm -hmm. or you know it doesn't exclude trans and non-binary people um mm -hmm. it includes that mm -hmm. um I think a lot of it is perhaps just personal preference as well so I I do see them as quite interchangeable um yep. I just personally I think I don't know if it's just more personal association or more of the people that I've met are bisexual who I've spoken about this with so that's yeah. kind of the the term the identity that I just identify more actually yeah um, I, 
find these things fascinating. It's just the way language changes, and you know that's that's never going to stop. It's always going to change. These terms will their meanings will alter. We'll start using different terminology over time, but um, they are, I think, conversations that people outside of the the community aren't always necessarily privy to. And I think it's important for us to almost forefront these terminologies and help people understand them because I think a lot of the sort of ignorance might be too strong a word, but a lot of the the things that are said that we might find a little bit uncomfortable are said out of a lack of understanding and sometimes it's because we don't do a good enough job of helping you know there's this people can ask questions but if they feel uncomfortable or afraid of getting something wrong i think you know having these conversations out in the open is really useful too um and yeah terminology will change but uh, very often i think in my experience too is you identify with the first kind of term you heard that yeah. felt right and even if later on technically another term fits better it's hard to emotionally detach from the thing that you first discovered yeah that feeling of association i think means so much and i find that such a yeah. hard thing to describe because it's just in my head it's just something that yeah. that is and that works and mm -hmm. in a way it's just nice for that to just be the case i know lots of people will sort of push back on it a bit if it was you know yeah. well, how bisexual are you is it <laughs> what do you have a preference for what's you know oh, um is yes. it just a stepping stone it's like no it just that's it what just i am is. that's what it is um, yeah. And exactly what you said, a lot of the time it can just be preconceptions. So coming from what perhaps people see as a harmless place, but at the same time, as we said before, the consequences of that can still be quite horrible, exhausting. It can really wear you down. So it's kind of, yeah. it um, doesn't really matter where it comes from. If it has that, yes. that cause, that consequence, it can still mean quite a lot, even if the person is really not meaning that. Exactly. And I think that's where the, the visibility thing is really important, because as much as what we see in the media doesn't control our opinions completely, if all we've seen is a negative portrayal without the balance from the other side, I think that's why there is this stereotype of, you know, bisexuals being a little bit promiscuous, a little bit Machiavellian, a little bit, you know, just unpredictable, I suppose, which there is obviously people in the community that are like that, but there's also people that are the complete opposite. And it's... I think that's driven some of these misconceptions because there hasn't been a, a sort of wider conversation of, well, no, it's, it's, you know, personality and the fact someone is bisexual or not related. There's, there's no correlation between the two. Um, at least I'm aware of anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that it has no bearing on your partner, for example, um, and how many partners you've had or how long you've been with a particular partner. If a person is bisexual, they're bisexual. There aren't any kind of, qualifiers or hoops to, to jump through to be bisexual it's just about um whether you are and that's the most exactly. important thing yes it doesn't have to be 50 50 and in fact it rarely is you don't think about it like that i've never quantified it anyway i don't know yeah. how you would quantify it no exactly <laughs> but that is a question we get asked all the time yeah you know are you 50 percent this 50 percent that no that's that's not how it works um but uh, listen, Sam, we could talk about this for, for hours and hours. There's so many other angles we could we could go on here. But uh, I'm sure if anyone has you know questions or wants to follow you, then Twitter is the place to find you. Yeah, always the best place. That's just at Sam F. Rowe on Twitter. Excellent. It's definitely worth doing. There's some interesting <laughs> stuff I've seen you posting about, even if it is just uh, getting the nails painted. Yeah, and what I'm up I feel the so weekend. Bad. Just... <laughs> I've, I've not, done, not done these since lockdown started. Oh, well, I've got my two today, so. <laughs> just the two? <laughs> yeah, just two. Uh, it takes I me long I've... enough at the moment, still learning. <laughs> oh, really? I think I'm fast losing my goth credentials. That's been a year and a half since I've done them. <laughs> as long as I continue the band t-shirt everyday tradition, I think that's fine. But... 
<laughs> but listen, thanks for your time, Sam. Been really good. And uh, and yeah, go find him on Twitter if you want to ask any more questions. Yeah, great. Thanks so much.